0: Good evening and greetings in Jesus' name this evening. It's good to be here to worship with you all again. We were talking on the way up here how long it's been, and I regret that I didn't go back and look and see when the last time was I preached here. Before John was ordained, uh, some of us circulated through here fairly frequently to help out. I suspect I've been here since you were ordained, but I bet it's only been once at most. It's It seemed like a long time since I'd traveled some of these roads. So it is good to be here. As Brother Mark said, the topic assigned is building convictions or building biblical convictions in our children. He used the... Uh, example of our children pick up pretty quickly, whether we like a Ford or a Chevy or a New Holland or a John Deere or an International or whatever, and I thought about using that example and didn't put it in my notes. So Mark really said a lot in the little bit that he said already this evening, and I thought about coming and saying that if you want the short version, I can give it to you in about five minutes and we can all go home. Because what Mark said is really hits the nail on the head. That if we want to build convictions in our children, we want to pass them on, we have to have conviction. And you'll see that theme coming out in what I share. He also said that... actually this was a conversation before the service started, I believe. He made it Mark made a comment about it's easy to talk about something that you're excited about, I believe was the way he stated it or, or something that interests you. And I have an interest in this subject because I think it is very important But also I found out that it's somewhat of a difficult subject, and I come as one that has not attained, that still has a lot to learn, and also I was impressed that the Scripture doesn't really say a whole lot specifically about this subject, and I hope you're not disappointed, but I'm not going to have a whole lot of Scripture verses this weekend. But yet we're going to be talking about Scripture and Scriptural Principles. Some of the messages have more scripture in them than others. So I've been impressed different times worshiping here with you all. How many children do you all have in this congregation? And it's it's great. That's a blessing. And you know, you've heard said before that the children of today are going to be the church of tomorrow. And as you look around, some of these children that are here today are going to be some of the future leaders of the church in some way, but only if you as parents succeed in building some important convictions in their lives. So this evening, I've titled the message, Building Convictions and I really struggled with with these messages, to be honest with you, because it seemed like no matter where I went, things seemed to be tying back together, and I felt like in some ways I was almost repeating myself, so bear with me if any of it seems that way. But I'd like to start out with looking at convictions, what they are, and, and what are some of the things that build convictions in our lives? What are some of those influences So first of all, what is a conviction? According to Merriam-Webster, this is the definition that fits well with the subject at hand this evening, that a conviction is a strong persuasion or belief, the state of being convinced. So conviction is something that we believe in. It's something that in my mind, is concrete. It's non-negotiable. You've heard said before that people will die for their convictions, and that's why. It's a non-negotiable truth. And our convictions are important because they guide us as we go through life, as we make decisions. They shape how we make choices and decisions. Just a maybe a crude illustration of that. If you knew someone who had a strong conviction that big business was bad, you would be shocked to see that person shopping in your local Walmart. But you wouldn't be shocked to see them at some little mom-and-pop store down the road. Because that person's conviction is going to lead them to that little mom and pop store, and it's going to that conviction will lead them away from the Walmart store or whatever else. So convictions guide us; they're guiding principles in our lives. They give us direction, and so they will ultimately determine to a great extent, the outcome of our lives. And that's why convictions are so important. If our convictions are correct, and they're in line with God's will, with God's word, they're going to lead us in His ways. And they'll lead us eventually to hear the commendation of, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But if we have wrong convictions, if we have convictions that are based on selfish motives, if we have convictions that are based on the wisdom of the world, those convictions are going to lead us a totally different direction. And they could even lead us to the point that we end up hearing the words, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, lack of proper convictions causes us to drift rather than to stand firm. And drift in the wrong direction can lead eventually to apostasy. I also thought maybe it would be good to just quickly consider some biblical examples of people who had convictions and lived them out in a practical way to help it, to fix in our minds what it looks like to have a conviction and to stand on it in the face of adversity. And I'm not going to turn to these because they're very familiar. But first of all, I thought of Joseph. Joseph was a young man who obviously had conviction. We might call it character, uh, ethics, whatever. But he had some conviction that guided him. He found himself in a foreign country far away from his family, far away from anybody and anything he had ever known. And we see that he still lived, by his convictions. He had something inside of him, something guiding him that made a tremendous difference. Because we see that he was a trustworthy and dependable young man. We see that he had very upstanding moral character that helped him to avoid the pitfall of sin. In a nutshell, we'd probably say, describe him as a man of of great integrity. So what was the source of that? Well, it's obvious that he was not serving the flesh. It's obvious that he wasn't there trying to subvert things in Potiphar's house or things in the prison to try to in some way get back at... The world for the wrong that had been, uh, that had come his way. We might say that his character was because he was serving God, and that's true. But I believe that he had some deep and strong convictions that were guiding him in those very difficult circumstances. And those convictions kept him from making choices that would have destroyed his life. If he had made the wrong choice when tempted by Potiphar's wife, it could have easily cost him his life. If he had not been an upstanding and honest and dependable young man in that jail, he would have never had the opportunity to have served the way he did and had the opportunity to have been remembered on that important day in front of Pharaoh. It took more for Joseph than just well, I'm going to try to do right while I'm here. I'm going to make a good attempt at serving the Lord and at doing right. If that had been his, his attitude, I almost guarantee you he would have failed. The outcome would have been drastically different, but I believe that he had convictions that helped him to stay the course. And what impressed me is that Joseph brought his convictions with him when he went to Egypt. Do we do that? Are our convictions the same when we're at home as when we're 500 miles away? I think that's an important question for us to ask ourselves. Are we, like Joseph, do our convictions depend upon the environment I am in? Are our convictions firm no matter the circumstances? Because when our convictions are firm no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in, that is when you have a deep and solid conviction. Another very familiar example is Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These again were young men in a foreign land, and they stood by their conviction. They knew that God had said, You shall not defile yourselves with these certain types of food, and they stood on that conviction and refused to defile themselves with the king's food even though they realized that it could cost them their lives or at least cost them their favored position within the kingdom. We also see later in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing by their conviction that they should worship only the Lord God. When they, were, when they faced the test of either bowing to Nebuchadnezzar's idol or being cast into the fiery furnace. And sometimes when I look at some of these biblical stories, I have to think of how I viewed some of these as a child. And I remember thinking how that, well, why didn't they just bow down and pretend to worship? It would have been so much simpler. Because nobody would have known, they wouldn't have had to pray to that idol, but they could just... You bowed when everybody else did. Why didn't they? Because they had conviction that it was wrong to even act like that they were worshiping that idol. If they had done that, that would have been compromise. And compromise will keep us from strong conviction. In fact, I believe that compromise is possibly one of the biggest enemies of conviction. Because compromise erodes a solid foundation that conviction supplies. So think of, think of a conviction as a foundation. It's something solid, it's unmovable, it's something I can stand on. And compromise is just the opposite. Compromise is saying, well, I can do this, and it doesn't matter that much. And the foundation gets eroded just a little bit. And then another situation comes along, and, well, it doesn't matter that much. And the foundation's eroded a little bit more. And before long, you don't have that strong conviction that you started out with or that you thought that you had. So where do convictions come from? I think if we 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 know pretty much what a conviction is, how do we get them? Are we born with them? You might be surprised that I would say yes. We are born with convictions or at least one conviction. And that conviction that we are born with is that I... Am the center of the universe, and that everything else revolves around me. Little children are convinced that they should get what they want and they should get it now. It's a strongly held belief that shapes their choices, and it's the job of us as parents to teach them otherwise. To help them to change their convictions. Have you ever seen a child that's five or ten, even ten years old, that still thinks that they're the center of the universe? I see some heads nodding. We've all seen that, and it is not a pretty picture. You see these situations sometimes, you know, in a store in town or wherever, and you're almost embarrassed to even observe. What's going on? And it's because that child has not gotten rid of that conviction that they're number one and that they need to have everything they want now. Did you know that it's possible for us as adults to be that way? Proverbs 16.25 says this, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So I can have a conviction. Something I'm convinced of. It's a way that seems right to me. But the writer of the Proverbs is saying that in the end it will lead to death. And I believe he's speaking of eternal death. What I want us to understand is that we can have convictions that are not good. We can have convictions that are detrimental. We can have convictions that are leading us away from God. and you know that is our natural bent as human beings that is the direction of the human nature is to go away from god and i've been in, impressed that in our flesh that our our our, our fleshly earthly nature Really cares nothing about the spiritual. What these bodies crave is not the spiritual, but it's the physical. So, as Christians, when we're talking about building convictions and passing them on, we must realize that we're talking about good, godly, biblical convictions in that description of good godly and biblical it means that they're they're good for us spiritually they're godly it's it's in line with god's character and his will and biblical it's what we find based in god's word and those convictions will lead us to life life in christ as well as eventual eternal life So what we really need is ourselves as parents and in our children is to root out any wrong convictions. Those convictions that are rooted in our old nature. And convictions that are rooted in the things of this world. Romans 12.2, very familiar passage. And be not conformed to this world. And I'd like to say to, to paraphrase that a little bit. Do not have the world's convictions. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're called to something different than what the world offers when they have a conviction. So where do we get good godly convictions? How do we develop them? First, we need to be, as I said, rooting out the things that the flesh has supplied us with and the things that the world supplies us with and now I'd like to look at several things that I believe are things that build conviction these are not ranked in order of importance so don't uh, if you're taking notes don't get it uh, if you think I have things out of order, I probably do. But first, we can build convictions based upon other people's convictions through our observations, through peer pressure. And this is looking at it now for a little bit from a negative standpoint, but I want to do that to help us maybe understand how much influence. Other people have upon us and upon our convictions. We came up here via Route 81. And I imagine most of you drive Route 81 fairly frequently. The speed limit on most of Route 81 is 70. And when you drive down Route 81, what speed are most people going? Are they going 70? A lot of them are going closer to 75, and then you have another handful that are going 80 or 85. If all of those people were driving exactly 70 miles an hour, nobody was going faster. I about guarantee that it will be pretty easy for you to have a conviction that I should go no more than 70 miles an hour on 81. But I tell you, since so many people are going 73 or 4 or 5 or 80, it is difficult to have a conviction that I shouldn't go more than 70 miles an hour. Why? It's because of the influence of all those other people. The input of those people has a direct impact on our convictions because our tendency is to want to go along with the flow, whether it's the flow of traffic or just the flow of the people we're around, society. Makes me think of Romans... 12.2, again, be not conformed to this world. That is what our natural instinct is, is to want to conform to what's going on around us. And I think it's important for us to realize how much of an effect that has on us. It can have a positive or it can have a negative effect in our lives as parents as well as in our children. Did you know that that is why social media is so dangerous? Did you know that is why you hear so many church leaders speaking with a lot of concern about social media? Social media is exposing many people to negative peer pressure that is working to shape their convictions towards the groupthink of the world rather than to shape convictions according to God's Word. It's dangerous for children. It's dangerous for adults. We need to carefully guard ourselves and our children against the influences of, of the world around us If we don't, we're going to find our convictions slowly, gradually morphing towards what the world says we should believe and how we should live. We should never base our convictions solely on what is popular with others or what society is saying that we should do or what is acceptable or what is normal. And it's not just social media. There's lots of other inputs that's good for us to avoid or to severely limit. Things like talk radio, podcasts, printed literature, the list could go on. In any input into our life has the potential for a positive influence or a negative. And I just challenge you, parents, if you want to build good, solid biblical convictions in your children, you need to be very aware of, of the power of those influences, first, in your own life, and secondly, in the lives of your children. And I say first in your own life because if your children see you going to the world, to the, to the talking heads of the world, so to speak, For to, to and being influenced by that, you're giving them direction on where they should go when they're looking for some direction in their life. So that's kind of the, the bad side of that influence of other people, the building a conviction based on someone else, else's example or conviction. But there's a very positive side to it as well. Proverbs 27.17 says, this is from the New King James, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. There is positive peer pressure. There is a very positive side towards Building you, having someone else's influence build conviction and character in our lives. As we relate to others and observe them living out a good, godly life of conviction, we can be challenged to a higher level ourselves. we need to develop good relationships with people of good conviction makes me think of daniel and his three friends again did you ever consider what how much influence you think that those four men had amongst themselves i can just imagine these these four men daniel shadrach meshach and abednego sitting in their dorm as captives, as, as potential students in the, in the king's little college, sitting in their dorm saying, what do y'all think? I, I, we just can't do this. And the strength of them pulling together could have had a tremendous bearing on where they came out. That's a little bit of supposition. But I I just wonder, would have they been able to have stood alone individually? Or did their group interaction and encouragement strengthen their individual convictions? We don't know that for sure, but fellowship with other Christians can help to develop and, and build and deepen good convictions. It's been said that 90% of who we become is the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. 90% of what we become is the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. We need to be careful that we are as parents, and also as we are guiding our children, that we are focusing on good, solid, biblical people who are influencing us and building us up in our convictions in a godly way. The greatest influence in our lives should come from our church and from those of like faith and practice if we want to develop convictions that will keep us where we're at. We can also experience some of this same positive influence not through personal association with other people, but through good literature, reading about the examples that others have left as they went before us. I use the example of, of Joseph, of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know them. We've never met them, but we read about them. And we are challenged by their story. These accounts help us to see that see the blessing of godly convictions. The blessing of standing on them no matter what. We can think about early Anabaptists, those who are martyred for their faith, and even more recently, people that stood for their convictions and set an example for us. People we never knew, we never met, but yet their lives can have a tremendous impact on my life as I read about them or on my children's life. So a good way to build convictions for ourselves and our children is to fill our minds with good things, with accounts of good, godly examples of those that have went before. Another thing, this is more for you parents. I'm not sure that this is something that you should uh, require your children to do. But we have a tremendous resource that has only recently become available to us just in the last couple of years. And that is that a lot of our churches and our conference post messages and you can go and download podcasts and it's easy to listen to more than one message a week. And I have been striving to do that and it's a blessing. If you want to build good convictions, immerse yourself in good godly teaching. The more we fill our minds with good biblical teaching, the more conviction that we'll have shaped within us. Another way that I feel like is very important to develop godly convictions is through a knowledge of God's word in the aid of his Holy Spirit. as we read His Word, as we sit under the teaching of God's Word, we become more aware of what God desires and requires for His people. And that is where we really start to deepen in our convictions because we see that God says, this is what I want for my people. And I go, yeah, okay. I need to do that, no matter what. And you know, as we read and study God's Word and we're taught and begin to develop these convictions, another thing happens, and that is that the Holy Spirit comes along and starts to prod us and say, you aren't thinking right about this subject you aren't having the right attitudes over here. But it starts with God's Word. And as we expose ourselves to God's Word, then the Holy Spirit has something to work with and He starts to speak. Just an example of building conviction based on knowledge of God's Word. We're commanded in Scripture to love our enemies. Do any of you all think that if you didn't know that the Bible said that, that you would develop a conviction to love your enemies? I think it is highly unlikely that any human being would develop a conviction that they should love their enemies apart from a knowledge of God's Word. We must know His Word. We must be students of God's Word and be open to the Spirit's leading. And we need to encourage the same for our children. Talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Third point is that we develop convictions not only from knowing God's word and his will, but we develop convictions by obedience. Have you ever heard someone say that uh, talking about a church standard, I don't want to obey that church standard because I don't have a conviction for it? I've heard that. Well, I want us to consider that obedience leads us to conviction. It is often through, at least I believe, it is often through obedience that we develop some of our deepest convictions or uh yeah, it's, it's maybe through God's Word, but it's through obedience. We might not have the conviction to start with, but we say, God says this, and so I'm going to do it. And we end up with a strong conviction. I want to think about this, or illustrate this from the standpoint of a parent and a child. We don't as parents, excuse disobedience because the child doesn't have a conviction for what we're asking them to do. If we have a child that has a bedroom that looks like a tornado just went through, and we tell that child, you need to go clean up your room, and that child would look at us and say that, I don't feel a conviction that I should have a clean room, so I'm not going to do it until I develop that conviction. We'd never accept that. You know, that's that's kind of far-fetched. But yet, we turn around and we tell God, or we tell our church leaders that same thing. that child is never or likely never going to develop a conviction that a clean and orderly room is a blessing to their life apart from obedience. But when they obey, and probably obey and obey and obey for a good many times, they start to understand the blessing of a clean and orderly room. And maybe develop a conviction that it's the way to go. In the same way spiritually, if we want to build convictions, we must practice obedience and instill in our children the importance of obedience. When God says something, we do it. When the church asks us to do something, a church standard, we should obey. And as we do that, we will develop convictions. Our children will develop convictions. Do you think that obedience was a foreign idea to Joseph or to Daniel and his, his three friends? No, I believe that those men had learned obedience sometime a long time before the test that they faced in a foreign land. And their obedience built a foundation that enabled them to have strong convictions to follow God's way no matter what. And then we have these beautiful stories of these men that stood and stood firm on godly biblical convictions. So really, a biblical conviction is just simply being convinced that we should obey God. We might not be fully convinced of why it's good. But after we experience through obedience, then we start to understand why it is good. Why God does ask His people to do, to, to live life this way. And parents, If you don't get anything else this weekend, get this. I believe that this is one of the most important things that we can do as parents to help our children to build build convictions, is to help them from an early age to learn obedience so that they can then, through obedience, find the blessing of the practice. Because so often in life practice comes before conviction even though we might wish that it was the other way around many times. Practice comes before conviction. Because when we just simply say I don't have a conviction so I'm not going to obey, we are severely limiting the possibility that we will ever develop a conviction in that area. So there may be some other ways that you can develop convictions, but I believe that these that I've shared this evening, good influences of others, filling our minds with good scriptural teachings and examples, uh, more than scriptural, even just godly. I should use the term their godly teachings and examples. Being students of God's Word and open to His Spirit and practicing obedience to biblical teaching and principles from God's Word and from His church. I believe that those... Those things will work in our lives and in the lives of our children to build convictions that are in line with what God wants and what He asks for His people. And you've already heard this come across in the message this evening, but I want to make it clear that as parents, if we're going to build convictions in our children, that we first and foremost must focus on building deep-seated, proper, biblical, godly convictions in our own lives as parents. We need to have something to pass on. We need to demonstrate that our convictions are worth holding on to. We need to demonstrate that some things that we might have convictions on might not make sense to the world as they look on. They might not seem logical from a human standpoint. But when we live them out, when we obey, then our children can see the blessing of those convictions. They can see it firsthand. So in closing, I challenge all of you to be men and women of conviction of good godly biblical conviction things that are convictions that are in line with his word and his will and then we have something that we can pass on something that we can instill in the next generation something that will carry that generation through whatever they face And give them something to pass on to the next generation after them. So God bless you as you endeavor to be men and women and parents of conviction.